Whether thou art a ghost that hath come from the earth, or a phantom of night that hath no hollow, or one that lieth dead in the desert, or a ghost unburied, or a demon, or a ghoul, whatever thou be until thou art removed, thou shalt find here no water to drink. Thou shalt not stretch forth thy hand to our own. Into our house enter thou not. Through our fence break through thou not. We are protected, though we may be frightened. Our life you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. Welcome to Scared to Death, Creeps and Peepers. I'm Dan. Hi, Dan. It's me, Lindsay. It's, it's you, Lindsay. It's me. It's, do, you, do you know this face? I do. Hey. I love that face. Hello, husband. Hello, wife. I love your face, too. That was so nice. That's a nice way to start the it's show. nice. <laughs> Did you guys hear me mouthing along the prayer? Mm-hmm. And then at the end, scared to, to death. death. I know sometimes I can't help it. I feel better sometimes kind of praying it like, ugh. Ah. Uh, I'm I'm very excited. I'm always excited for the uh, the tales. I am especially excited today. Okay. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I'll get into the previews here in a second, but especially excited. Um, thank you for the continued ratings. It does help so much. Thank you for c- telling your friends and coworkers and family. Thank you. Um, thank you so much. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Um, that that that's a nod to one of our friends' kids who does that. She goes, "Shinku, thank you so much. You're welcome, Winnie. Love you." Aw. I don't remember if I've talked about this before, but I like that I'm, I'm meeting couples now traveling around where like one uh, member of the couple will be a Time Suck fan and then the other one, it's not their thing. Time Suck, you know, another thing. I mean, but, I get it. But they enjoy Scared to Death and, yeah. and that's their thing. And so that's, yeah, it's cool to see it kind of spreading around in different ways. A little crossover, cross-pollinating. Mm-hmm. In uh, badmagicmerch.com, we have a don't be a guarantee. <laughs> so uh, hitting the store today. So don't be the guy or gal who does something that leads to demons or spirits causing you or those around you a lot of trouble, and then you just keep doing it. And 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 just that's to what be, Darren is. Just to be clear, mm-hmm. I had gotten quite a few emails about this. Yeah, you guys, there's like eight thousand spellings of Darren. Just like oh, I funny. spell my name L Y N Z E. Yeah, but like that's not my birth spelling. We just went with whatever we kind of figured was the most common spelling. Yeah. So if it's not your spelling, it's not your husband's spelling, your boyfriend's <laughs> spelling. I'm like, I already know the messages are coming. I'm really sorry. There's only so much we can do. D-A-R-R-E-N. Yes. Don't be a Darren. Don't be a Darren. Um, and again, thanks for uh, uh, Spicy Club, Kate and Logan, for always kicking out so much good, fun, creative stuff. Getting yes. lots of compliments on their designs. Yeah. They're talented. They are very talented. They are. How, I love them. I love them too. How many how many fan stories do you have today for us? I think I just have two. Now, I okay, prepped these a few days ahead of time. Yeah. Because... I have like when I have the oh, moment yeah. and I'm not feeling like totally freaked out. I'm like, okay, right. now's a good time to do it. Yeah, I have two. I have okay, two. okay. So you have two. I have two. Um, I have two today of your possible some of your least favorite types of stories. Well, that's fine. I, I have one of your least favorite okay. types too. Okay, so good. there. Uh, a possible alien abduction tale. Oh no! I thought we were done with aliens. Oh, this is such a good one. This is Fuck. such a good one. And some possible Ouija board uh, horribleness. First tale is about a Canadian man who became obsessed with aliens, said he had made contact with aliens, and then completely disappeared. Shut the fuck up. That's like my worst nightmare. This is such an interesting story. It's one of my favorites. Because they are real and they're going to get you. This one really makes you wonder uh, about alien life. (sighs) That just made my stomach hurt so bad. The next tale is about a young Spanish woman who plays with the Ouija board. Then someone sees something from inside the board physically enter her. And things do not end well. I just want to say I really like that we're color coordinated today. 
And I'm not just I'm not just pushing like a scared to death t-shirt, which I love that one, Mm -hmm. the head splitter, Mm -hmm. but like pink purple, pink purple. Yeah. Yeah, good job, Dan. Good job. Good job. Cutie pie. (laughs) Thank you. Both stories have a little bit of meat on them today. Okay. Um, I'm stalling, really, is what's happening. I do okay. not want to hear about these aliens. Okay, so you get you get ready, and then and then Got we'll go into on. the because this one we kind of just get right into it. Little. Got your uni socks on. Yep, these are some some old school ones. Getting your blanket on. Got my blanks. And then we're gonna we're gonna jump right in to uh, okay. story number one. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, so I feel like you're I feel like you're pretty much set up. I just I just think um hold on, like if aliens I'm mm-hmm. I don't know, like can spray some alien juice on yourself? So aliens I alien. surround myself with positivity and light. <laughs> I surround myself with positivity and light. That's what keeps okay. you safe. Okay. Part of it. There's crystals in here. <laughs> just so you know. Time now for the tale of Granger Taylor's mysterious disappearance. On November 29, 1980, 32-year-old Granger Taylor vanished. After telling friends and family for months that he'd been communicating with extraterrestrials, after writing out his will, where he crossed out the word deceased and wrote in the word departed. Uh, creepy. The night after telling his stepdad how much the man had meant to him, (coughs) Granger drove off into a powerful storm on an especially dark night on Vancouver Island in beautiful British Columbia, and no one has ever seen him again or found any trace of his remains. Not possible. Nope. He fully believed he was driving off to meet up with extraterrestrials, aliens he was convinced he'd been telepathically communicating with for months. Did that in fact happen? Did he quite literally vanish off the face of the earth and depart for another world? This is a fascinating story. Granger was born on October 7th, 1948. He grew up in the little town of Duncan on beautiful Vancouver Island, a quaint logging and fishing town nestled into the scenic Canadian province of British Columbia. Let's go. And Granger, someday I'll go back to Canada. (laughs) That's, that's another tale, as you know. Uh, Granger was born an especially curious and intelligent and quirky guy, fascinated with how machines worked. His friends, family, and neighbors said in numerous interviews over the years that he had an astonishing talent for constructing and repairing all different types of mechanical devices. One of Taylor's friends, Bob Nielsen, said that you could call him an eccentric genius. Granger lived on his mom and stepdad's uh, Sumenos Lake property. Or, uh, oh, sorry, Somenos Lake property until the day he vanished, a heavily wooded area. He dropped out in the eighth grade, not because he couldn't handle school, because he was bored and uninterested in most of what was being taught to him. Okay, okay. After dropping out, he focused all of his energy on becoming a mechanic. I mean, weird that his parents let him drop out in the eighth grade, but fine. Right, right. Fine. When he was just 13, he managed to secure himself a job with a neighbor as a mechanic's assistant. Then after just a single year of apprenticeship, he struck out on his own. As a young kid. At 14? Mm-hmm. And he would never work for anyone else again, and he was successful. Okay. He worked locally as a welder and as a mechanic repairing heavy machinery, gained a reputation for being someone who could fix machines others considered unfixable. He was brilliant. Okay. When he was only okay. 14, he built a single-cylinder automobile, which was then put on exhibit at the Duncan Forest Museum. Wow. 14 years old. Okay. Go, buddy, go. Three years later, when he was 17, he rebuilt a bulldozer that other much more experienced mechanics had thought was a lost cause. And he performed numerous other mechanical feats of how the hell did he do that? Okay. Throughout his teens, he was obsessed with machines. In 1969, when he was just 20 years old, he plowed a trail through over half a mile of dense forest in order to get to the beat up remains of an old locomotive that had been abandoned over the decades or over three decades earlier during the Great Depression. Wow, that's cool. Seemed beyond repair. 
its trucks and drive shafts had been scavenged back in World War II uh, for extra metal. Mm-hmm. Uh, a tangle of trees had actually grown through the rusted frame. Yeah. He was able to drag this machine back to his parents' yard where he had his tools. Uh, the area around his house was starting to become known to locals as the Sleepy Hollow Museum. <laughs> Thanks to all the machines Granger had brought home to tinker on and learn from and bring back to life. His stepdad and mom's yard was littered with old tractors, a bulldozer, train parts, dilapidated cars, steam pots from donkey engines, all of which Granger had found out in the woods, abandoned in the dense forests of Vancouver Island. In less than two years, Granger got the old abandoned train engine running again. He figured the whole thing out himself, armed with nothing but an eighth grade education, determination, curiosity, and an aptitude for mechanical ingenuity. Okay, so... Interesting dude. Yeah, interesting dude. In 1973, the province of British Columbia purchased the steam engine, sent it out to the tour uh, to tour um, as part of a living museum exhibition. Cool. Before putting it on display at the BC Forest Discovery Center. Okay, that's very, very fascinating. Yeah, the young and, and all this is leading to kind of I think why this makes his story that's much more interesting. His disappearance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The young machinist had grown into a man. Now uh, he was 25, six foot three, 240 pounds. Big guy. Friends called him Gentle Ben. Oh. Around this time, he took his passion for understanding the nature of motion technology and applied it to machines that were capable of flight. He got his pilot's license, bought a vintage, broken-down Kitty Hawk warplane, uh, which, of course, he fully restored. Of course. For years, the plane was displayed outside a store on the island highway until it was sold to a restorer of vintage aircrafts from Manitoba in 1991 for 20000 Taylor's parents, Jim and Grace, put that money in Granger's bank account. He already had ten grand in there. And he would soon vanish and leave it all behind. In the late 70s, he became bored with planes, trains, and automobiles he wanted to work on and to understand something much more exciting, like UFOs. Bad idea, bud. Bad idea. Or awesome idea. Bad idea. Granger suddenly became obsessed with how UFOs could supposedly perform the aerial feats that so many eyewitnesses have claimed to have seen. He wanted to know what powered their interstellar journeys. And then he took his curiosity way, way further than most. In the late 70s... He built himself a quasi-futuristic sanctuary beneath a thicket of big fir trees, not far from home, the home he still shared with his parents. He built what would become known as Granger's Flying Saucer near the banks of Somonos Lake. According to his stepdad, Granger spent over six months constructing and welding a life-size replica of a flying saucer out of spare parts he'd found in the woods and in some junkyards built a spaceship out of two satellite receiving dishes, those big ones, outfitted it with a television, a couch, even a wood-burning stove. Wow. And then he would spend hours sitting in this ship thinking about how real flying saucers were built, what they could do. He'd read and work out schematics and study physics and even spent the night there oftentimes. He collected every book he could get his hands on about UFOs and about flight technology. When he went out with friends or grabbed a meal at a local diner, he talked to whoever would listen about the possibility of aliens, other life in the universe, and about how desperately he wanted to figure out how they flew like they flew. What a bad idea. Then one day he told his friend Bob Nielsen that he'd made contact. Oh, God. Granger said that during one of his periods of self-imposed isolation to think aboard his homemade saucer, he received what he could only describe as a message from space. He said that late one night... While he was laying on a cot in his metallic replica, he came into telepathic contact with an extraterrestrial entity who hailed from far, far beyond the Milky Way. Nielsen would later describe to reporters what his old friend told him just a month before he vanished. He said it happened when he was in bed. He laid there and got mental communications with somebody from another galaxy. He couldn't see them. 
I said they can't just be mental, but he said it was like they were talking just to him and to his mind. He was asking questions about the means for powering their crafts. The only thing they would tell him was that it was magnetic. And then a few days after this strange revelation, an ecstatic Granger told Bob that he was visited once again in his saucer. Oh my God. And this time the alien being invited him to go on a trip through the solar system. Don't be fucking stupid. Get the fuck out of that ship. This is his life. This is his life stream. No. Granger said I'm smashing his dreams. No. Granger said that he would not be informed until the end of the month as to where he would be picked up. Mm-mm. Granger told Bob and many others that he was going to learn about the alien's technology during his 42-month interstellar voyage. 42 months? According to Nielsen, Taylor was thrilled by the prospect of soaring across the galaxy. Granger's friends humored him while he talked about all this, waiting for him to move on to his next obsession. Yeah. Bob said everyone thought the trip was just a dream. Nobody entirely discounted Granger's stories. He was just such an unusual sort of guy. And then just a week before Taylor's disappearance, he took a bunch of his buddies out for a night in the town for what he said was a sort of going away party before he left Earth. They thought he was joking. And then on Friday, November 28th, 1980, the night before he disappeared, Granger watched it, walked into his stepfather Jim's bedroom, had a long talk with him. He told Jim he loved him, that he appreciated all that his stepdad had done for him. Jim had no idea this would be the last conversation he would ever have with his stepson. Didn't get a chance to speak with his mother, Grace, who was in Hawaii taking vacation with friends. Strange that, if he was going to kill himself, like some would suspect, that he wouldn't wait to say goodbye to his mother as well. He clearly seemed convinced that he really needed to leave Earth at a very specific date. I don't know. No one knew that he had also prepared a will with detailed instructions as to how his parents should distribute his possessions. And like I mentioned earlier, the word deceased, scratched out on the wills, replaced by the word departed. 6 p.m. the following day, a fateful Saturday, November 29th, Granger entered Bob's Grill for dinner, his favorite place to eat. No one thought anything of him coming in for a bite by himself. He did it all the time. Linda Barron was working that night as a waitress, and she remembers him eating that night. She would later tell authorities that she'd seen him enter and dine by himself. She couldn't remember if he'd talked to any other diners or not. She also would remember him not wearing a coat, which she found odd, because a huge storm was rolling into town that night. Okay. He wore a brown knitted sweater, zipped up front, a black t-shirt. He always wore black t-shirts, jeans, and logger boots. His stepdad would find his winter coat a few days later inside a giant, sturdy doghouse that Granger had built for his huge Newfoundland lady. That is a weird detail. Mm-hmm. Taylor paid his bill, left the diner around 6.30 p.m., just as the big storm was starting to tear through Duncan and neighboring cities. This is a huge storm. That same night, hurricane-force winds were reported in Port Alberni, wow. a little over 80 miles away. Power lines were knocked down all around Duncan and the surrounding area. The whole area was blanketed in especially and unusually impenetrable darkness. The following morning, people in and around Duncan were picking up the debris left behind by this storm. Yeah. And they were also starting to hear stories about Granger Taylor having gone missing. His stepdad had called the Royal Canadian Mounted Police the evening before to report that his stepson had not returned home that night. The RCMP responded immediately, but after what Corporal Mike Demchuk described as exhaustive checks of hospital, passport, employment, and vehicle records, they couldn't find a single clue as to where Granger had gone. Yikes. They put put his name into their national police computer system. The motor vehicle branch in Victoria was alerted in the event that Granger's driver's license, which would expire that October, was going to be renewed. It wasn't renewed. 
Four years after his disappearance, authorities still couldn't find even the truck he had driven away from Bob's Grill that fateful night. How could an object as large as a truck just completely disappear? Throughout the 80s, the Taylors would occasionally take out newspaper ads offering a reward for anyone finding their son's missing vehicle. They never received a response. Weird. And then the truck's registration expired in 1981, making it highly unlikely that anyone, Granger or otherwise, was still using it somewhere, at least not in Canada. Finally, in 1986, the truck was found. Oh. Its discovery only deepens this mystery. Okay. The remnants of Taylor's truck were found on a mountain near Duncan, Mount Sicker. The truck had been blown to pieces in a massive explosion. No trace of Granger's remains were discovered in or around what was left of the vehicle. Adding to the mystery is the fact that the region all of this happened in was already strongly connected to other UFO sightings. Oh. One of the most intriguing and best documented sightings in UFO history had occurred where all of this happened just 10 years prior. At 11.59 p.m. on New Year's Eve, 1969, just miles from the Taylor home at the Cowichan District Hospital, a nurse by the name of Doreen Kendall was tending to her patients when she and three other nurses saw a Saturn-shaped UFO with two faceless humanoid occupants hovering outside of the hospital window. Oh my God, shut the fuck up. Numerous others would claim to see this same ship that night. Oh my God. Did these same faceless UFO pilots take a liking to the area? Did they maybe notice a young mechanical prodigy when they made that trip? No. Makes you wonder. Some wonder if Taylor faked his own UFO abduction and started a new life somewhere else. But if that's true, why did he leave all of his money in his bank accounts? Well, you can't take it with you. What, yeah, why, why, why didn't he take his truck? No one suspected him of having any enemies in the area. It doesn't appear as if he had any reason to run. So why do that? Neither his friends, family, nor local law enforcement officials has ever made a single mention of Granger being associated with any a drug or alcohol abuse, so it seems unlikely that his disappearance is associated with terrible uh, decisions made under the influence of anything. It seems unlikely that he owed any unsavory characters money. What about mental illness? Did he destroy his truck and run off into the forest on that stormy black night, fully expecting his alien tour guide to arrive only to die from the brutal elements after waiting in vain for some secret spaceship? There are lots of remote, densely wooded areas on Vancouver Island where Taylor's bones could still conceivably someday be found. I guess this is always possible. But none of his friends or family thought he seemed mentally off before his disappearance, not more than normal. Okay. He was always weird, very eccentric. Yeah. But also lucid and high-functioning right up until the end. Other than his talk of telepathic communication, which of course is weird, he seemed normal, as normal as Granger could be. It's not that weird. So did he actually get picked up by a UFO? Did he really make contact? Did he really leave the Earth in a flying vessel from another world? If he did, why didn't they ever bring him back? Did he die? Was his body not capable of living aboard some strange ship? Did some extraterrestrials not understand his physical needs? Did they not care? Did they study him? Did they kill him? Or is he alive right now? Maybe happily living in some other world. Or maybe he's trapped and being studied, some prized lab rat. Maybe he's still soaring through space in a ship he now understands. Maybe using his mechanically inclined mind to work on that ship or build more ships. So many possibilities. Duncan resident, author, and ufologist John Magor wants to believe that aliens really did pick him up that day. He asks, There have been reported cases of aliens taking humans on rides and saucers in other parts of the world. Why not here? For years, the Taylors left their son's bedroom untouched. They kept the back door unlocked for nearly four years, eagerly, eagerly awaiting their son's promised return, but he never came home. That's so sad. 
When he was interviewed many years after Granger's disappearance, Jim Taylor still wanted to believe his stepson was out there somewhere. He said, yeah. I can hardly believe Granger's off in a spaceship, but if there is a flying object out there, he's the one to find it. I do not like this at all. Isn't that insane? You like, can't all just the fucking go missing. You can't just disappear. He just completely vanished. No. But he studied this stuff for so long. No. I mean, it's, oh, that's a... I don't like it. And I don't want to like give any weight to it because that kind of shit freaks me out. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, I don't think the aliens would want me for anything. I couldn't fix anything. I'm not that good of a cook. <laughs> You're a good cook. You're a good cook. Not good enough. Shh, they can hear you. <laughs> they can hear you. Um, now, I that- mean, it just seems so like... Yeah plausible i know i know that's th- this one more than any other ufo uh, ufo story i've ever read i'm like wow this, there's the a lot will, of interesting details to this the, the will detail mm-hmm. really the storm the night he had planned that night he had told everybody you know he was leaving it was all there was all such it was also specific the being very mechanically inclined right being such, you know his, his obsession with ufos the way his truck was found exploded i know exploded you know with none of his uh you know remains anywhere near i mean it's all very unusual his poor parents I mean, mm-hmm. like uh, to lose a child is right. the worst thing that you can experience in life, but to have no closure, yeah, to have no idea. I mean, he could show up one day. I know that'd be. Oh my god, that'd be so amazing. Now this. Um, well, okay. they'll never give him back. Once they have you, they don't give you back. Who's been how do you abdu- know? Because who's been abducted and come back? That's right. Yeah, nobody yet that we know of. Yeah, that's like saying, "Oh, I died and I came back." No, you didn't. <laughs> This first, this first picture, this is the uh, locomotive he rebuilt. You it's know. so impressive. It makes me think about my stepdad who can rebuild mm-hmm. literally anything. Yeah, my stepdad also very mechanically yeah, yeah. It's interesting that way. Um, the second image is the UFO replica he built uh, where, where he would like sleep out in this thing. Oh, my God. And study them and I just mean, be obsessed with them. Kind of what I think they would look like. That looks a little bit like the top of a water tower. Yeah, I mean, he had to build it with like random parts. But it just, yeah. I mean, just it's such a unique thing that he actually built out there. That he lived in it. Now this well not lived in it but like yeah. let's spend the night, in it. night I mean, yeah. yeah had a little cot like had, had a wood burning stove yeah. mm-hmm. this next picture is Mount Sicker so this is where you know uh, he supposedly disappeared this is where other aliens were sighted around this area that's where his truck is, was found is that where the hospital is near there but that's where the truck was found was on that mountain excuse me I'm sorry and uh, then this next one is you know just a picture of what you know people could think that maybe the aliens looked like I, that is what I'm afraid they fucking look like right you don't want those guys taking you. Oh, God, it's so creepy. It's creepy not, because... Not talking? Well, it's creepy because the overall shape and, like, in my opinion, the deformed head and no ears. Mm-hmm. But the eyes never feel like eyeballs. They feel like... Um, like a bug or something. No. To me, behind it, it feels like mechanics. Mm. Like, it feels like a glass covering. And then right. I'm not sure what's on the inside because when... If there are aliens, I don't think that they have brains like we have brains. What if, if what if inside of the aliens' brains is a demon? What if they work together? And it's two of your worst nightmares in one. I don't think so. You can't get me with that. All right. I don't think that I don't necessarily think that aliens are bad. I just think okay, we say like the fear of the unknown. You could just right. say the fear of the alien. Meaning alien yeah. is unknown, right? When something is alien, it is foreign to you. It is unknown. Yeah. So it's like... And I'd be worried if they were like had bad intentions or not. I mean, I think about like a, a kid or whatever, like I remember this, doing this as a kid where you, you get a bug and you want to take it outside or whatever. You don't want to hurt it, mm-hmm. but you're so much bigger. It's, you don't know how fragile it is in certain parts and you end up just right. smushing part of it or hurting yeah, part yeah. of it. That's what I'd be worried about with the aliens. Even if they don't intend to hurt me, they might really, you know, mess me up accidentally. 
Yeah, yeah they I might know. fuck you up is mm-hmm. what you wanted to say. I don't know why I switched it to mess. You caught that. Yeah. Yeah, that was weird. I pulled back a, a fuck you up and went to mess you up. I'll fuck you gosh, up. Gosh dang. Gosh dang. Oh my oh, heck. Oh my heck. Why'd I do that? Why'd I? That's so weird. <laughs> but yeah, man, aliens. Yeah. And he, I mean, he was clearly a very smart guy. Mm-hmm. He was probably... On you know on some sort of spectrum, almost of like sorts. a savant. Yeah, 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 yeah. That would be a better description. I don't know why I defaulted to spectrum, but I mean, like to drop how his parents let him drop out of school at eighth grade is fucking beyond me. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's more details. I mean, if he was miserable and they knew he was going to be able to, you know, if he was, uh, you know, I mean, I don't even know if they knew about the spectrum you, at that point. Would you let Kyler drop out of high school right now? No, but Kyler's not that kid. If Kyler was socially just not with it, you know, in certain ways at all, but very, very talented in another realm, why continue to let him suffer? I mean, everybody has different paths. I would be in the right situation. Yeah, I would. Would you homeschool him? Um, I wouldn't probably personally, but I, I would. I mean, I sure I, shit wouldn't. I would, you know, be open to hiring somebody to do that. Okay. Because, yeah. I mean, I don't have the patience. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Me either. Oh, but, yeah, I mean, it's just... um. I don't know why that detail really bothers me where I'm like, what was he doing that they were so comfortable letting him drop out of school? I think, I think, they knew I think he'd that's have, the thing. He'd have success, you know, in that mechanical, mechanical arena. I guess. He's, I mean, he quickly, you know, got, he went to work. Yeah, no, and I mean, got, he figured it out. Mm-hmm. And maybe that was the deal. Like if you're going to drop out of school, then right. you're going to work. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, <sighs> I okay. mean, very successful. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not done. I'm oh, sca- okay. I'm, okay. Why are you rushing me through my recap here? All right, all right. Well, then recap. Didn't it fucking freak you out? Mm-hmm. I'm just like thinking about that and then stories from last week and the week before that about like the lady in the road and just uh, the phone calls from last week. <laughs> right. It's like a bad combination of things for me right now. A lot of weird possibilities out there. Yeah, I, I almost feel more comfortable with demons because that feels like those can be exercised. It feels like there's a solution yeah. or a resolution. Right. But you could, you get to aliens and weird panicked phone calls and the fucking FBI couldn't deal <laughs> with that. And no one knows where Gentle yeah. Ben is. So I just pictured all of these stories leading, like getting you more and more freaked out. Yeah. And you know, like the, um, like the hamster gerbil balls. Yeah. I picture this show ends when you're inside a human-sized dribble ball made out of crystals. <gasps> and you're just rolling oh around. God. You're just rolling around. Now, how do the crystals not poke me? Like, are you going to smooth them out? Uh, yeah, I guess. In this theoretical giant crystal dribble ball. That sounds great. <laughs> you're just like, like the boy in the bubble. You're the lady in the crystal ball. I Can I go on a vacation there? No, yeah, you mean Let, like inside the crystal ball? You can't, you can't take it on vacation because there's no way you can travel with that thing. No, I said, can I take a vacation in it? Like, can you send me to the crystal bubble? By vacation, I, I feel like more like you could be committed, probably it's somewhere. Not committed, dude. If you if you want to be wanna, inside like, a crystal ball, I'll have you committed. I just think it could be kind of relaxing. <laughs> Maybe, probably. What if, what if I just started lining the walls of the studio with crystals? Then again, committed. What if there I... is a line? There is a line where if you go too far, then we put you in a 70, 72 hour psychiatric check. What if mm-hmm. I start hiding crystals in your pants pockets? Too, and and then so like annoying. and then things start happening that you're like excited about, and then I say, well, you know, there's crystals in your pockets, and the crystals did it. I don't know. Let's. I don't. I don't think that's gonna happen. But oh, okay. I'm gonna put crystals in your pocket. If you put crystals in my pocket, and then I can levitate. <laughs> 
I'm in. I thought for sure you were going to say, if you put crystals in my pockets and you break mm-hmm. the fucking washing machine, you're buying a new one. <laughs> no. Okay. Oh, yeah, the alien stuff, really, you know it gets me. Mm-hmm. That is weighing going. heavy on me right now. Yeah, it's a fascinating story. It really is. It just feels so possible. Mm-hmm. So that... that and, and sorry, yeah, and yeah. just the, the nurses? Right? That, that I know that detail, detail too, right? really, like... That's a really sold it for me too. Because multiple people, it wasn't mm-hmm. like anytime there's more than more than two people. Because one one person, it's like oh my god, okay. But then you could justify it away. Two people, but then you're both like kind of hyped up in it, feeding off of each other. Sure. But then when there's that third person, there's something about that when it's like more than two that is like it just makes me feel as though it feels more possible. Yeah. Man. Okay. Okay. We got to power through. We got more stories to tell. I don't want to. Um, okay. So now this, that, that first one, obviously I, I just, I could tap out. the first one, obviously just, um, odd and can linger. This next one is more traditionally scary. This is a tale of, uh, what appears to be an especially powerful case of, uh, demonic possession accompanied by poltergeist activity during and after the possession. So we got a little bit of setup to get through first. Okay. Uh, 2017, a new Spanish horror movie popped up on Netflix called Veronica. I never saw it. Paco Plaza directed, the guy who wrote and directed uh, the found footage horror movies, uh, Wreck, R-E-C, like Record, and Wreck 2. Like, I never saw those either. Uh, I saw, it's been a while, but I saw the first one. Okay. And I remember th- thinking it was good. Okay. Um, th- those two movies were not based on a true story horror flick. Scary, but definitely made up. Okay, okay. They, they both did well, both very profitable, but then neither got the buzz Veronica got amongst horror fans. Uh, Veronica has a 90% critical approval rating on Holy Rotten Tomatoes. shit. Yeah, very rare for a horror movie. A lot of the buzz around Veronica comes from it's based on a true story claims. Some movies, you know, make this claim while basing very little of the narrative on events that were, you know, actually claimed to be real. Not so with Veronica. Uh, the real story is just as outlandish and terrifying as the film, if not more. And I did watch the movie and it definitely creeped me out. I had to stop it. I was, you know, by myself in the hotel room. Yeah. I had to stop it and was like, nope, I'm going to wait until tomorrow to watch a little bit more of this. How much of it have you watched? Oh, I watched the whole thing. You did? Because I know we were texting about it. It was like late after you were by yourself and you were like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to watch this. But it was so creepy. And then I was like, just watch our show instead. Right. By the time Not I got our show, a show we're watching. Together. Yeah. By the time I got home, I had finished the whole thing. So uh, Estef- I've, I've given up on horror movies. They're out know, for me. I know. Can't do it anymore. Estefania was a seemingly normal 18-year-old girl living in an apartment with her parents in the Madrid neighborhood of Vallecas in 1990. She was a third of six siblings, the daughter of Maximo Gutierrez and his wife Concepcion. She studied at uh, Colegio Publico Aragon de Vallecas, or Vallecas, Vallecas, there we go, located a few minutes from her house. The school, as well as the overall culture of Spain, was and is very Catholic, and Estefania and her friends were tired of being surrounded by religion. Tired of being lectured by worried Catholic parents and priests and nuns, sure. right? You can relate. Well, yeah, and and then also just like kids, you know, you're exactly. Like, you're just whatever your parents are pushing on you. You've had enough of it. Yeah, yeah, totally. The girls wanted to cut loose, have some normal, reckless teenage fun. They wanted to really experience some sin. They wanted to live free lives where they could do all sorts of stuff that the Catholic Church deemed wildly inappropriate. Sure. Smoke pot, drink too much, have premarital sex, all those things. All the good stuff. All the good stuff. And even dabble in the occult. Not so good. Time now for a tale called It Came From Inside the Ouija Board. One of Estefania's Estefania's friends' boyfriends died in a motorcycle accident. Her friend was understandably inconsolable. One day, her boyfriend was young and handsome and full of big dreams and plans for what should have been a long life ahead of him. And then just hours after seeing him and touching him and kissing him, he was gone. 
Estefania felt terrible for her grieving friend, so she offered to help her. She'd always had a secret interest in the occult, a growing interest in spirits and mysticism. She suggested to her friend that they try and make contact with her lost love, just to make sure that he had journeyed safely to the other side to give her friend some peace. So the next day, another one of Estefania's friends brought a Ouija board to school and the girls gathered in an empty, rarely used classroom during their lunch period. They lit candles, linked hands, shut their eyes, asked if the boy was out there, and waited for something to speak to them. And then, and then Estefania doesn't know what happened for the next few minutes. She has no memory of communicating with any spirits, or had no memory. One moment she was silently waiting for a spirit to reach out to her, the next moment she heard the crack of wood breaking. When Estefania opened her eyes, Dolores Molina, one of the nuns who taught at her school, was standing above her. Sister Dolores had snapped the Ouija board in half oh. and was berating the girls for pulling a stunt like that at school. And as crazy as it sounds, when the broken pieces of the Ouija board fell to the floor, one of the other girls using it would later claim to have witnessed a thin wisp of dark smoke leave it. And then she said she watched that thin wisp of smoke enter Estefania's open mouth. Okay. What was it? The girls all scurried out of the room, relieved that they weren't given detention, and that Sister Dolores wasn't going to tell their parents what they'd been caught doing. Estefania and some of the other girls made plans for seeing each other that weekend, and it seemed as if life went right back to normal. And life would remain normal for all of the girls other than Estefania. She had no idea that something was now residing inside of her, something dangerous and evil. Within just a few days, Estefania's parents noticed that their daughter's behavior had changed for the worse. She began yelling at her brothers, arguing with them over almost everything, even curling back her lips, showing her teeth like a dog. She hissed, shouted, and cursed at her family. That's fucking weird. Her eyes now had a dark, malicious look to them. They were very worried about her. She'd never acted like this. What had happened so quickly to change her mood? They wondered if she'd secretly gotten into drugs or was having relationship problems with some boy she was hiding from them. And then just days after the behavioral changes I mentioned, Estefania began to have what looked like seizures and have what they thought were hallucinations. But? Estefania told her mother that dark, shadowy figures were passing by her bedroom door at night. Oh my God. Sometimes they would enter her room. Nope. They were watching her, talking to her in a language she didn't know. They wanted something from her. They wanted to hurt her. She told her mother, the shadows are evil. Estefania also began to fall into trances where she would disappear and some other consciousness would take over her body. The girl that should have been Estefania uttered guttural sounds, babbled in languages she couldn't have possibly known. These trances would last anywhere from 15 to 20 minutes, and when she wasn't speaking in some other language, she would stare blankly into the distance and laugh. That's would, fucking scary. She would seem to abandon her body, stop responding to any stimulus, just mindlessly laugh. It was a cold, joyless, robotic laugh that made your skin crawl. When she would snap out of these trances and become herself again, her family would ask what had happened to her. She'd tell them that while they were hearing her speak in some other language or laughing that disturbing laugh, she found herself in a long corridor where the floor was covered by a thick fog from which sinister voices were calling out to her. She couldn't understand what they were saying. She didn't know what they wanted. One of her sisters, Marianella, would later claim that around this time she once saw Estefania levitate as she slept. What? All sorts of insane sightings are being reported at the Gutierrez household. Another day, Estefania was ironing her clothes in the bathroom when she noticed that she, uh, or when she 
shouted that she had seen a silhouette of a man on the wall, a shadow that moved towards her own shadow, but no one was there to make it. Uh huh. She cried out for her mother, and when Concepcion raced over to help her, the bathroom door closed, seemingly on its own, locking Estefania inside. Oh, that's fucking creepy. Her father was also home. He and her mother tried to force the door open, but they couldn't do it as Estefania screamed from within. Oh, my God. One of their other daughters also tried to help. They just could not turn the doorknob. Estefania would later tell them it never even locked. Some strong, unseen force was just holding it closed. Right when her brother, Maximo, was about to kick the door down, everyone present witnessed the door opening smoothly on its own. They all saw Estefania across the room from the door, cowering on the ground in a fetal position. Ugh, poor thing. Even more concerning than all of this was Estefania's declining health. The previously healthy girl started having anxiety attacks, seizures. She would fall into a trance where she would be completely catatonic for hours at a time. She couldn't or wouldn't move. She wouldn't speak or respond to any attempts to get her attention. Her now terrified parents took her to several doctors. None of them could find out what was wrong with her. Finally, in August of 1991, Estefania was admitted to a hospital in Madrid for further evaluation. Hospital physicians studied her for weeks, found nothing physically wrong with her. Then, three weeks after being checked into the hospital, nurses found Estefania lifeless in her bed. (gasps) She had no apparent wounds. There was no indication of how or why she died. Oh my God. The official autopsy report said she died of a heart attack. Or did whatever that smoke was, whatever it was, kill her? And the story of her haunting doesn't end here. Estefania, or whatever had killed her, returned to the Gutierrez home. Shortly after she died, her family began to hear a disembodied voice whispering, Mama, Mama. Oh my God. From Estefania's old bathroom. The bathroom she'd once been trapped inside of. Whenever they'd open the door to the bathroom, they'd find the source. To find the source of this voice, they would find the room empty. Soon this spirit or demon began to manifest in Estefania's old bedroom as well. The family normally kept her room clean and organized like the rest of the house, but now every couple of days, someone from the family would enter to find her old bedsheets thrown about the room and objects scattered across the floor. That's fucking terrifying. They also started to hear Estefania's voice coming from her old room. They would hear her through the wall as if she was still alive in her room just talking to a friend. Was Estefania back or was a demon back? In addition to hearing Estefania's voice, sometimes her family heard the laughter of an old man rumbling lowly. The sound seemed to move through the walls as they lay in their beds. In addition to voices, the family also now heard glasses shattering, doors opening and closing without anyone touching them. Was it Estefania walking through her old house at night, maybe trying to pour herself a glass of water? Did she not know she was dead? Oh my God, who cares? Get the fuck out! Or was this all whatever that little black wisp of Ouija board smoke really was? On November 1st, 1993, two years after Estefania's death, a photo of Estefania hanging in the living room caught fire on its own in the middle of the night. Strangely, the only part that burned was the portion of the photo depicting Estefania's face. That's weird. Neither the frame nor the nearby object showed any fire damage. No fucking way. Was a strange fire some kind of message? Shortly after the mysterious burning, whatever dark force was haunting the Gutierrez family began to take a chillingly physical form. Late one night, the youngest two Gutierrez daughters saw a faceless creature, a dark, spiky shadow, crawl along on the floor of their room, throwing into the air any toys it found in its path. The fucking crawling. 
After laying in terror, watching the shadow travel around the room, one of them managed to turn on a small lamp, and the shadow vanished. Over the next several weeks, the dark energy in the Gutierrez home grew stronger and stronger. On multiple occasions, the Gutierrez children were pushed by some unseen force. One of the family's pet poodles was thrown against the wall and nearly died. Oh my god! Estefania's mother worried that she herself was going to die. On numerous occasions, Concepcion felt someone standing on top of her at night, pressing her down into the mattress, someone or something else holding her feet and hands down. Once when Concepcion and her son Ricardo were talking about, uh, or talking around the dining room table, something threw a glass at Ricardo's head. How? Fearing for their lives, the family moved all of their mattresses <gasps> into the living room, oh. shut off the hallways to Estefania's old bathroom and bedroom, but the attacks and sounds and sightings continued. So what do you do when your home is being ransacked by an unseen force, a force that's already taken one of your children from you, and you have five children left? You get the fuck out. If you're the Gutierrez family, you call the police. This makes this story so much scarier. On November 27, 1992, Inspector Jose Negri and his team arrived at the house, finding the parents and children standing outside in the rain, terrified. Two of Inspector Negri's officers stopped to take the family's statement while he went inside. And for the first time in Spanish history, the police witnessed paranormal activity and documented it in their official police report. What? Their report described a wardrobe door opening violently on its own despite an officer verifying that it was locked just a few seconds before. They documented the door almost hitting one of the officers in the face. They documented loud noises coming from the balcony. They witnessed some kind of strange brown slime on the bedside table in Estefania's Ew. room. The report documented a crucifix hung on the wall when the officers arrived. Then when they left, the crucifix was laying on the ground, torn from the wood on which it was mounted. There were scratches seemingly created by three large claws, clearly visible on the wall where it was hung. <sighs> As if whatever possessed these claws had ripped it off the wall. In the bathroom where Estefania had been trapped just a few years ago, the officers felt the temperature drop until their teeth were literally chattering. They could see their breath. The police searched and searched and searched for something that would explain all of this. They looked for mechanisms on the furniture that would make it appear like objects were moving on their own. They looked for thin strings pulling objects in different directions, and they found nothing. Nothing ever came from this police report. What do you do with information like that? Try and arrest a demon? Tell the spirit or spirits they'll be put in jail if they don't leave? The police, of course, did not have the power to stop whatever the Gutierrez family was dealing with. After realizing no one could help them, the Gutierrez family finally moved out of their cursed apartment. Yes. As far as we know, they were no longer bothered by any more paranormal activity. So what happened? Where is Estefania's spirit? Is it still in that old apartment? Did she move on? Where is that black wisp, black wisp of smoke? Is, 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 is it in someone else, in another Ouija board, waiting in the walls of that apartment building? Paranormal researchers have tried to figure out if anything continues to live in the old Gutierrez apartment. So far, nothing. But I still wouldn't want to spend the night there, right? And just see if something has been hiding that entire time. No way. Waiting for the right person to move in. Yikes. Isn't that crazy about the police documentation? I know. I'm so cold. Is it freezing in here? I was cold uh, last episode. Uh, I'm okay right now. <sighs> I keep watching the temperature. Whew, so uh, it's weird because the temperature has actually gone up in yeah, here. But yeah, but you're I cold. Freezing. Creepy story. Check out this burned photo. This first one. This oh, is the yeah. burned photo 
I mean, it is weird where it's like, like you can just see that the frame that the photo was in, uh, not burnt, the outer edges of the photo that weren't part of her face, also not burnt. And then just her, you know, that was like a portrait of her. And then it just all burned up where her face was. Yeah, it's so strange. Okay, so now this is a picture of the uh, Ouija board that they supposedly used when they found that. That's not. What is that supposed to be? Dang, I was hoping that would scare you. That's from that's from a movie called Ouija: Origin of Evil. Isn't that creepy? But I will say, is that creepy or is that just like a bad Hollywood mask with yellow eyes? <laughs> it's low budget. But, yeah, but I clearly. Will, okay, and then okay, so there's a real picture. This is a parent. I mean, it's written in Spanish. We can't read it, but this is a picture of the police report. Oh, the movie. Re- well, you uh, can't read it. I can read it. <laughs> you can't read Spanish. Yes, I can. No, you can't. I can read more Spanish than you can. What are you talking about? But uh, who saved us while we were in me. Spanish-speaking countries? I did. You have such an ego. <laughs> I can't speak Spanish. Um, but this um, police report was also referenced, you know, by the movie. And then this last picture is a, is a non-burnt photo of young Estefania. So okay, poor, just... poor, poor young lady. I can't believe she died. I did not I see that coming. But I was like, wait, what? I thought you were yeah. saying they like found her lifeless, meaning like she was listless. Like, no, she met. died then, in the hospital. And I was like, wait, what? She died? After that whole thing, her health quickly deteriorated after the Ouija board, after all the strange sightings. She was having the trances. They put her in the hospital. I'm feeling it, like this is very real. I, it's a crazy story. It really is. Yeah, it's a very, very, very creepy story. And, and especially, yeah, the kicker on it. Well, just like the last one, the story we did today. I mean, that's why I was so excited, I think, for today's tales is, you know, with all the peripheral details, it's like, man, did that happen? It really makes you think. Yeah. Not a lot of obvious logic holes in the story. And same thing with this one, where the police that showed up, you know, and it wasn't just one officer. It was a couple different officers. Right. You know, see things that they just couldn't explain. It was the first time that the police were like, it seemed to be paranormal. Right, right. You know, like, like they wrote that down, signed it. Well, and then like when they went into the bathroom and their mm-hmm. teeth were chattering. Mm-hmm. I mean... And the wardrobe and the scratches and the, like, just all the things. Yeah. Oh, her poor family. I know. I know. Hmm. Good, good movie, too. I mean, you know, obviously it's uh, subtitled. Yeah, you know, subtitled, you know, so some people that kind of irks them, it doesn't bother me. Um, It depends. Yeah. And then, yeah, I thought it was very, very good, actually. I, ever since we, I now... Prior to starting this podcast, I wait, let's go back even further. When I was younger, I loved horror movies. Mm-hmm. When we first met, I was very into them. Mm-hmm. And then as the years would like go on and on, I'm like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And now, since we've started this, I have not watched one scary movie. <laughs> right, I know. Well, you get enough of horror from this. You're inundated. Well, yeah, but like you're so I, mean, I still watch them. I still like I'm watching I'm watching another Spanish man, Spaniards kicking out the horror right now. I'm watching a, a Spanish horror series. Another, uh, oh, is that this the one, Wicked? What is that? Madeline. No, oh, this one's no. called Madeline. I wish this one was actually subtitled because it's dubbed, and you really you got to fight to get past that. Right. Some some of the voices match the people better than others. <laughs> I know. Some what you mean. you're like, oh, you guys could have spent the extra money and gotten a little better voice actor. Right. Right. Or just somebody who sounds like they might look like that person. Right. Right. It's great. But it's fucking creepy. Creepy. Mm-hmm. It doesn't get in your head too much. It does. I kind of like being, I, I'm more of a creep than you are that way. Yeah, you are. You are. Well, hopefully the spirits will just get you. <laughs> maybe. I mean, they're out there. Maybe they're already in me. Maybe I'm, maybe I, maybe I coexist well with them. Uh, maybe I'm, they're I'm frustrated because I'm always fighting them. Maybe. If I would just let them, if I would just mm-hmm. make peace with them. Yeah, that black smoke thing. Yikes. 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 
Scary stuff today. So you got some scary stuff for Ooh, me? I do. Do you got your little squishy? I got my squishy. Squishy, squishy. I'm okay. cool. Charlotte's being good right now. Okay, everything's good. Oh yeah. Do, did you guys watch last week? Did you meet Charlotte? Charlotte's do you want to Charlotte? Buddy. I can, I can, I can grab Charlotte and put her back over here. Uh, I would like if she didn't look at me because she really freaks me out. Mm, she wants to look at you. She said she did. <laughs> I felt her energy say that she wanted to stare at you. My mom's mom. Her name was Charlotte, and she was. A real bitch. <laughs> oh yeah, you jacked her. I mean, I loved her, but man, well, maybe, I mean, I maybe get she's it. inside. Why do you, Why do you put her arm out like that? I didn't. Her arm was down a second ago. No, <laughs> oh, it wasn't. <laughs> I don't know. That's just how she was. No, it wasn't. I put her arm down after the last episode. Maybe it was when I moved her over here to actually did it. Creepy, because that's how she was last week too. Point at you. Okay. Okay. I see you. Stop doing what you're doing. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. Charlotte, are you ready? She says yes. She says yes? Okay, great. Uh, so this this first story is like a little compilation of stories, uh, but it'll make sense as we go through it. Okay. And they didn't leave their name, which I kind of discussed last yeah. week. So we're just going to leave the name off. Okay. Uh, where necessary in the story, I might refer to the writer as B. Okay. Just, I picked a random yeah. letter. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but this, this gave me the heebie-jeebies. To begin... I want to apologize in advance to Lindsay. I hope you've got your amulet, yes, and your unicorn socks. Oh, boy. Double yes. Also, my boyfriend, sister, and I, all creeps, love the podcast. Thank you. Keep up the great work. I'm going to try and keep this as short and concise as possible. It takes place over 20 years, so that's a task of an in itself. Yeah. So this is a 20-year-long tale. Wow, okay. But but they did a good job of... Right, it's not going to take 20 years to tell. Well, get comfortable. <laughs> We live in the northwest Georgia foothills of the Appalachians. Our Appa- nan- Appalachians. Oh, you're going to get so much hate if you don't fucking clean that up. I think that we talked about this once before. Mm-hmm. I am from the Midwest, and we say Appalachian. <sighs> okay. And I believe that the last time that we talked about this, <sighs> I got a message from somebody who said that her husband is from... I forget where the husband is from. I want to say also Georgia, but it, it's a colloquialism. Okay. To say Appalachian, it's Appalachian. Ugh, all right. Appalachian. If you keep it up, Appalachian. I'll, I'll start making weird chewing sounds in your headphones. Okay. 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 I'll stop. It's a good threat. Are you done now? Hmm? Okay. We live in the great northwest Georgia foothills of the Appalachians. Our Nana and her husband, Larry, built a house way up on a mountain, on Mountain Rocky. Sorry. They built a house way up on mountain Rocky Face in 1997. The house was large and beautiful with three bedrooms, three baths, an office, a library, and a formal dining room. Cool. Upstairs overlooked the living room from a balcony, and up there there were two guest bedrooms and an office at the end. Sorry, I feel a sneeze coming. (laughs) Oh, no. That's the worst feeling. Okay. The house was, uh, sorry. Uh, It was a house that was hard to sleep in, though. When I visited, I felt anxious at night. A very eerie feeling crept up upon me, and I usually just stayed up until dawn, afraid of I didn't really know what at the time. Mm -hmm. Once as I lay there, I heard whispering and footsteps outside the bedroom door. I stared, a frozen, petrified 10-year-old girl. As the bedroom door opened, I felt a presence enter the room. My fear turned to anger, and I yelled, Get the hell out of here! The footsteps seemed to leave, and the door slammed. Weird. Weird. 
weird. And mind you, just to remember, this is a house they built. This is right. not an old new, house. Yeah, yeah, new house. Okay. For a brief period in the early 2000s, my aunt and uncle stayed there with my infant cousin, making the office into her nursery. Yeah. My aunt told me the baby would often wake up screaming and would avoid looking at mirrors. Yeah. Once, carousel music came from her baby monitor right before a fit of screaming occurred. Soon, my aunt and uncle were spooked as well, sometimes waking to see a shadowy figure of a man standing in their bedroom doorway. Or a sparkly white mist hovering over them in bed. They got out as soon as possible. About five years later, my cousin and my sister from the above story were visiting Nana for the weekend. They were in the living room watching a movie, and my sister ran out to the... Did you just do something? Hmm? I saw like a light flicker. Uh, They were in the living room watching a movie, and my sister ran out to the garage freezer to get some ice cream. As she's walking back into the living room, she feels the urge to look up to the balcony. There, she sees a boy, crouched down, staring at her cousin from between the railings. His skin is a grayish green of decomposing flesh, his eyes milky and white. His hair is dark and wet, and he's only wearing a pair of overalls. My sister gasps and drops everything in her hands. The boy snaps his head towards her. Oh my God. Gives her a look of hatred. She looks down at her cousin trying to compose herself because she doesn't want to scare her. And when she looks back up, the boy is gone, but not for long. The spirit of the boy attached itself to my sister. For a long time after, she saw him popping out of rooms at our house, later on running at her down the hall at the nursing home that she worked oh at in a horrific and in horrific nightmares. Always, he had a way about him that was playful and menacing all at once. A few months after my daughter was born, we were visiting my parents, staying in mine and my sister's old room. I woke in the middle of the night to see a small shadow standing beside my baby's bedside. I stared at it for a while, thinking maybe I was dreaming. That is until the shadow reached out towards my daughter. I instinctively grabbed at the arm, surprised to feel cold flesh in my hands. The shadow tried to pull away and anger filled me as I growled through clenched teeth, get out. It disappeared and I cried and prayed protection over my baby. My mom later told me that one day my uncle and Larry... Nana's husband, were hiking through the woods near Nana's house and had come upon a small grave, a grave plot near a ruined house. The only two graves were of middle-aged men, were a middle-aged man and his Uh, son. mm -hmm. To this day, Nana and Larry swear up and down they never experienced anything in that house. However, in 2016, Larry retired and their schedule slowed down a bit, giving them both more leisurely time at home. Less than a year later, the house was up for sale and they were moved into a rental before an offer could even be made. I think that says it all. (laughs) How creepy is that? Yeah, that whole thing with like the cemetery and finding that. It's like, yeah. I, I immediately, I don't know, whatever. I mean, it's just the way the kid was described, thought like, did he drown? Maybe, yeah, because they said he was like wet and, right. you know, and dirty de- and decomposing. Yeah, yeah. I know, I thought that too. I also... Um, crazy that she's... Oh, sorry. Oh, no, that's okay. Go right ahead. Just crazy that she saw them uh, at her job at the nursing home and all, just... Yeah. yeah, that it truly had... I think right. that's an intelligent spirit when it attaches to you as opposed to an unintelligent spirit which attaches to things. The fact that he reached out and touched it, that right, detail right, right. really... Oh like, to feel it, to yeah. feel it. 
right? Uh, a lot of creepy stories. When they when they sent the story in the the subject line of the email was the house is new but the earth is old or something like yeah. that. And oh yeah. I yeah. was like, what are you talking about? And then after I read it, I was like, Okay. Oh yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, that is, yeah, that, that, and that is an interesting thought because people are always like, oh man, like old old houses and think about the people who died there. It's like, yeah, but you don't know who lived on the land before, not only before your house was even built, but like here in America, you don't know right. who, who was lived on that land before any Europeans were even here. Right, so, right. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I do think that about where we live because uh, there's a lot of native tribes to this mm-hmm. area, right? Yeah, a lot of American Indians around here. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and I do know that like where our house was built is an old mill site. Oh, yeah. Actually, mm-hmm. um, but I mean, I don't know when, like that was like 17, 18, like what hundreds, you know, I right, don't know when right. that was, but because our house was built like what, like in the 60s? Uh, 70s. Like late 60s, early 70s? Yeah, I think it was, yeah, I think it was, I thought, I thought, I was pretty sure it was the 70s. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was 68, but still, neither mm-hmm. here nor there. Right. So like prior to that, I don't know what was there I other than that. stories that I hear from neighbors. Right, but about it's like, the mill. Right, and then about if the murders it, and about the disappearances. Right, and if mm-hmm. it was a mill site, then like definitely people died. The cemetery and, and like mm-hmm. people being put through like the the woods. Mm-hmm. Right, know, a lot of people, lot of people got put through the wood. There was a lot of murders. There was. I think that like our house is built uh, out there was of like a cult compound. Yeah, uh, there was like a I think witch like, covent. I think like covent. Mm-hmm. Coven. Oh, I, dang I it. think that like the wood that our house is built out of like came like it's like. From the devil. Par- well, it's like, oh, it's like when they say particle board, they mean like part human, right. part wood. So it's like it's from the mill from where they like put the bodies through the. Oh, geez. You know, they really went part, for it. Particle board made out of like bone and board. Yeah. bone. That, that's what particle board means. Yeah. Part. Part. <laughs> okay. Are you ready for this one? Okay. I am. I am. So, so I'm excited for this one for you because okay. I know how much mirrors are a scare trigger for Damn you. It. This is a mirror. Okay. This is it's a scare trigger. Okay. Okay. So uh, before I, I tell this, did you, let me start with this. Are you aware of the game Bloody Mary? Yes. Okay. So yeah, you say her name three times. Uh-huh. It's like the Candyman movie. Uh-huh. And then, and then I think she appears behind you. No. What, what happens? No. So you go into, well, I, I mean, I guess it's probably like, it is folklore, right? Yeah, so yeah, like yeah. everybody's mm-hmm. version is different. So our version when I was a kid was that you had to go in the bathroom by yourself, close the door, turn the lights off look into the mirror and say her name three times and then she would show up in the mirror. Ugh. No, thank you. Well, I want you to keep that in mind because that is the version that this person, that it, it is important to this story. Okay. That is kind of how they were playing this game. Okay. Dear Queen of Darkness and Mr. Spooky McSuck. <laughs> I love that. I love, love those it. names. Hey. Oh, wait. Okay, yes. Hey, my name is Mary Allen. And then I love in parentheses pronounced Mary Allen with no pause. Like it's not Mary Allen. <laughs> got it's it. Mary got Allen. it. Sure. And I love the podcast. It has been a blast listening to all the haunting tales you guys give. So I thought I would give you one of mine. Thank you, Mary Allen. You know how a lot of children have imaginary friends as they grow up? Well, I'm not sure mine was very imaginary. I'm calling her imaginary now because I can't explain all that happened to me other than I did, in fact, imagine it all. If she was real, then I hope she will forgive me for thinking she was imaginary when I die. One day when I was a kid, I was playing with my big sister and her friend while they had a sleepover. Evidently, this friend brought over a Ouija board. So of course, we started playing. 
It didn't seem that scary to me at first because we kept asking different questions and nothing seemed to happen. Once we were about to give up, it finally started to move. We asked who was there and it said, Mary. We asked which Mary and it replied, bloody. At this point, I definitely thought it was my sister and her friend trying to scare me. Yeah. So I asked, what did Muddy, what did Muddy Blary, <laughs> what did Bloody Mary want from us? And then it spelled out game. From this, my sister said I had to do as it said and play the Bloody Mary game. I asked why me? And she said, because I had Mary in my name. Okay, Great. Sure. Like kid logic. Kid logic. Yeah, exactly. So I went to the bathroom, turned off the lights and chanted Bloody Mary Three times. Oh God, just to do that as a kid is so scary. I wouldn't do it right now as an adult. Are you I know, fucking I know, kidding me? I know, I hate mirrors. That's when I felt something behind me. It almost felt like someone was breathing on me, but I knew that couldn't be possible. I turned on the lights, and as quickly as I could, I screamed. There in the mirror, I swear I saw her. Bloody Mary. She was a short girl with long black hair staring at me. She wasn't really staring. She couldn't. Where her eyes were supposed to be were dark black holes with blood streaming down her face. It felt like an eternity while I stared at her and she picked up one of her bloody hands and touched my back. At that moment, my sister opened the bathroom door asking while I was screaming. I didn't answer her. I just crouched on the floor thinking that couldn't have been real. That is when my sister gasped, thinking that she'd found the reason why I had been screaming. All along my back all the way from the top of my shoulders to the low of my back were bloody scratches. Oh my God. After I got cleaned up, we went to bed because none of us wanted to believe Bloody Mary was really there. (laughs) Yeah. But I couldn't ignore it for long. After that, and for years to come, I would feel a presence behind me and hear someone talk to me, but never anyone was there. The only times I caught glimpses of her would be when I looked in a mirror when I saw her in my dreams. For a while, it seemed fine. It was like having a friend that was always with you. But then she started asking me to do things. Scary, creepy things that I don't wish to speak of ever, not even here. And when I told her no, she got unbelievably mad. I would develop bruises and scratches out of nowhere. There would be times where I blacked out and would lose days of my life. There would be other times when I was conscious, but I couldn't control what I was doing. Eventually, I couldn't take it anymore and just asked her to stop and leave me alone. I was surprised when she said that she would, Yeah. but for a price. At the time, anything seemed worth it. If it just meant everything was going to stop. She said she would leave me alone if I promised to give her my soul. She said she wanted a new playmate and and I had to play with her forever when I died. And at the time, I was desperate for any relief, so I said yes. I promise to play with her forever when I die. After that, I never had a weird blackout or mysterious injury again. Mm -hmm. I stopped hearing someone talking to me and never felt her presence again. My family was certainly happy I was acting like my old self again. They were certain that I was acting strange and that my imaginary friend was not good for me. I asked my parents later what they thought was happening to me, and they said they just thought I had an overactive imagination. Right. We are all atheists, so I assume that one of the reasons they didn't, one of the reasons why they didn't, that's one of the reasons why they didn't suspect ghosts. There are still times to this day I think about Bloody Mary and wonder if she was real, but I don't like to think too hard about it because when there is the possibility that I gave my soul away to a demon. Oh, Jesus. Well, I hope you guys 
or anyone else who has an imaginary friend who wants your soul doesn't get you. Wish me luck. Uh, man, scary, scariest uh, part of that one for me definitely was the sister finding the, the scratches on her back. Right. Because up until that point, I was like, okay, yeah, little kid imagination. Yes, me for too. Sure. Me too. And then that detail on top, it's like, yeah. Yeah. And I do wonder, I'm like, what did, what were you doing? And like the loss of time, mm -hmm, the blacking mm -hmm, out, mm -hmm. the like uncontrollable um, doing things. What were you doing? What were you doing that you don't want to tell us? I mean, obviously you don't have to tell us. Right, but, right. Oh my but, God. Like, are you murdering cats? Notice <sighs> how I say cats, not dogs. I'm a dog lover. Right, right. If you murdered a well, dog, and, she, and she said she wasn't going to do what the thing was suggesting, you know, and then, and then it well, would no, hit her. No, she said she did. Right, she right. did some things that she will yeah. never mention, and, and then and she then, just wanted it to stop, like it was taking over her life. Man, yeek, yeek. Good, good, uh, good picks, good stories. You guys sending those in. Man, this the uh, the body of work continues to grow. I know of all these terrifying tales. You know, what are we going to do with all of them? Be scared. Ooh. Be scared to death. They're going to live it right here. They're going to stay in that book. Do you, do you keep them in there? Or you just keep adding I, I to I keep it? adding to it. And then I feel like I'll probably have to burn it. <laughs> My God. Yeah. I just got to be sure. Mm -hmm. You never know where a demon might like creep into it. They might pop into the pages of your book. Like I, you just don't know. They can attach to anything, Dan. They could be here right now. They could be inside of a little Charlotte doll. Charlotte is fucking creepy. Mm-hmm. Don't chop her up. Hey, Char. Do you like to be called Char Char Binks? <laughs> she does not like to be called Char Char Binks. Noted. I think she just flicked me off. <laughs> she might have. Oh, I was like, what, what if, what if she winked at me? I know. That's what I was thinking. I saw in Harmony after last show. It's like when you lay baby Charlotte down, her eyes go closed, and then she, you stand up and her eyes open. That's the kind of stuff I think about. Like right now, when she's laying down, if all of a sudden her eyes just go boop, open up on her own, oh, I would jump out of the seat. Yeah. That just made my heart skip a beat. Hey, remember last week just when Joe scared that. the living shit out of me? Yeah, Joe got you really good last week. Oh my God, that sat with me for so long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, when you said Bloody Jumping Mary might be behind me, I just imagined that like somehow you had read these stories ahead of time and that Joe had like carved a hole in the wall. Like, like just such a preposterous over the top can't happen. But that all of a sudden there was going to be like a hand next to my face. That mirror stuff. I mean, that stuff freaks me out just because that is, that is my worst. Like if it had to happen, like, you know, the, the most, the scariest way. Yeah. If, uh, you know, all of it would be terrible, but I just, I hate to like get up in the middle of the night, go mm -hmm. to the bathroom. And then, you know, the mirror is always right there washing the hands. Mm-hmm. And there's usually a shower, no matter what bathroom you're in, like, you know, like right. behind you. That's that's the specific image that creeps me out the most is I'm middle of the night, uh, washing my hands, brushing my teeth, whatever, looking in that mirror, uh, you know, feel like a presence behind me. And then something like I can see like a shadow move behind the shower curtain. Right. Or something starts to slide the shower curtain back. Ah. That's when I lose my mind forever. So when... When well, always when I get up in the middle of the night to use the restroom, I always like reach my hand in first and turn on the light because I'm I'm not going into the bathroom with no lights on because the first thing you see is the mirror, mm -hmm. and then I don't actually think about the shower curtain too much. But when I exit the restroom, <sighs> I also like exit and then reach back in behind, yeah. turn the light like I'm very cognizant of it. And when I'm home alone, oh, all the shower curtains in mm -hmm. all of the house are open. Open, yeah, yeah. Because when I'm especially spooked, if the shower curtain's closed, I have to quickly open it. Because then right. my next fear is that I'm going to slowly go to grab it, and then something on the other side of the shower curtain is going to grab me. Like when, what's her, I was going to say Pettigrew, I can't think of the family's last name, last, and they, she like, 
Oh, uh, Snedeker. 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 Mm-hmm. Pettigrew. Last week. Same, same. Pettigrew. When the Pettigrews got attacked by... Yeah, but that... Oh, my God. There's so many stories out there. I know. I know. And they don't <laughs> stop. That's part of, like, what's so um, concerning, mm-hmm. I think, is that, like, there's just a never-ending abundance of these stories. A lot there's of people on the world. There's gotta be, like, a threat of truth. Mm-hmm. So many people that have lived in the world previously. I mean, a lot of numbers, a lot of, lot of claims. Well, I was also thinking about our first story with the girl in Spain. Mm-hmm. Estefania. Estefania. Gutierrez. Gutierrez. Um, sometimes I wonder if you're more religious, if you're more susceptible. Like last week we talked about like when you're weaker and broken down, right? And I don't mean like physically weak. I just mean like mm-hmm. life has, you know, really handed yeah, you a yeah, shit yeah. show. Mm-hmm. Um, all you can focus on is getting through your stuff, right? So you're... Mm-hmm emotionally, mentally beaten down. When you're particularly religious, and this this doesn't necessarily mean Catholic, this can also mean pagan, because that is a religion mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in its own right. Are you also more susceptible in it? Because it's that thing of like, oh, what did he say in his story? Like, remember what you say and what you think is what you breed, right? Like yeah, we talk yeah, about yeah. like mantras, you know, right. like, okay, uh, I'm, you know, you have a mantra about something that you're going to do every day or, you know, like, I'm grateful for my healthy family. I don't know, whatever. Like, you can kind of, like, manifest things. Do you manifest the ability for spirits to get you when you are, to get you, but to be a part of your life when you are strongly practicing any sort of religion, whether it's for or against demons? I don't know. I know. I Are there know. demon philosophizers out there? Philosophers? <laughs> philosophers? Uh, I don't think so. Like philosophers so. who Like people who are not in... religious. I mean, there's demonologists. There's people but, who... But is that like, know, can you get a, an actual degree in that? Not from like a, I mean... You're not you getting can. that from Harvard. No, you're going to get it from like uh, like a strange online kind of, you know... Right. I mean, you can. You can study that stuff. I mean, but it's mostly like studying like the history of other people who have studied it and written books. And there's books out there where there's been Did names given to them. Yeah, there was a car going by. <laughs> It's just like a particular hum where I was like, what? oh my God. Just, <laughs> so yeah, so you can study it. I mean, but you know, it's 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 uh it's like studying like cryptozoology, you know, where like Sasquatch and like cryptids creatures sure, and things. Sure. So you can't be yes, there are people who have said, Well, this demon's called this and this demon's called that, but because you can't scientifically study it, it's always a little up for grabs. Yeah. You know, it's like it cracks me up when people choose to study like cryptids and they're like, Well, Sasquatch does this. It's like you think based on reports. Right. The, you don't have Sasquatch in a cage out back and you've been studying him like just, you would a cheetah or something. I just feel like ever since you said the over my shoulder thing behind you, I feel I don't like, even remember saying that. You said that. You said Bloody Mary comes up behind you. or Oh, about myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't even, because I was like, oh my God, I don't remember saying that. <sighs> you got anything else? Or you just want to get out of here? Can you we want to get out of here? Let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. We're getting spooked. Uh, that is all for today. Please keep sending your stories into my story at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. Oh, yes. I, I did just remember something. Okay. So we, we've we started on Instagram, Mondays with oh, Monique. Oh, yes. Good catch. Good catch. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, just, just to recap in case you missed anything about that. Just as since we entered into this world mm-hmm. of doing this podcast, it has opened my mind to some other possibilities that I'm willing to explore. Dan is a little less willing, but I will say like in private moments, he's like, okay, okay. Like I was sharing with him. I had Reiki done a few weeks ago Mm -hmm. and, um, well, this is like so deeply personal, but I keep having this weird thing that I think my dad's going to die. And there's my dad's healthy, um, but he is the oldest male in his family ever. He's very young. Like he's in his sixties. And I, every time I have Reiki, 
uh, well, a handful of times, there's an old man with me. And so my energy healer, we'll call her for, so we don't have to say her name. You know, she's like, well, there's this old man with you all the time. You know, it's kind of like freaking me out. So there's these things that sort of happening. I was explaining to Dan something that happened when I was at Reiki and he was like, all right, uh, okay. Like if that happened, yeah. so I was oh, holding yeah. the pendulum, which I know you're going to think this sounds kooky, but like when you buy a pendulum, you have to like clear the energy and like basically you're like training it to mm -hmm. know you, right? So that it responds to you. It's kind of like when you get in a car and you set, and it's a fancy car that has like the seat settings and you can set like one for you and two for me and three for another mm -hmm. driver, right? It knows you, right? I'm, I'm agree. I'm, yeah. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I know that. But like I was telling Dan, so I was talking to Allison and I didn't understand what a pendulum was for and how would you use it. And so she cleared the energy of her pendulum and said like, here, just like, let me show you. And so I was holding it and she's, you know, protecting it from like absorbing any energy that. Truck driving by. Oh, um, so I'm holding it and steady and mm -hmm. it is, you know, it's supposed to just. And then when you ask it a question, it's supposed to like swing in different directions or whatever. Yeah. I'm holding it as steady as can be. And this fucking thing is swinging. I know and that is weird. It is weird. And, uh, you know, if we have any like science scientists or scientific type people mm -hmm. listening that want to, you know, um, dispute that and tell me like why yeah. that would happen. I would love it. But mm -hmm. I'm telling you, it was so weird and it didn't freak me out. But anyway, so like all of these different kinds of conversations are happening in our lives. And Dan's not totally like, oh, fuck all of that. Mm -hmm. But he is far more skeptical than I am. And so Monique uh, is a friend of the show and a friend of ours. And we just thought it would be interesting for her to share her wealth of knowledge. Yeah, yeah, about all of that, which, yeah. which is cool. Yeah, it is very cool. So you can catch that on the Scared to Death Instagram on Mondays at 6 p.m. Uh, that's East uh, Pacific Standard Time. I almost said East, Eastern Standard Time. Uh, Pacific Time. And um, and it, Monique and I were actually texting the other day. Now, you know our ghost, right? Our house ghost. Uh, Monique thought that when she was here, the very first time she was ever in this studio, she thought that the person said their name was Tilly. And then just recently, I'm sorry, Millie. And then recently her and I were texting about something. My grandmother's name was Tilly. And I never told that to Monique. And she was like, oh my God, I just saw your Instagram post and I heard about your grandma and like, that must have been it. And then Monique said she's been back here, obviously to record her Monday episode uh, segment. Right. And she says she doesn't feel anything. She thinks it's cleared, whatever. So she says, like, it could just be that I was here and Monique was here. And it's kind of just like, whatever. I mean, maybe the thing I'm feeling with me all the time, maybe is my grandma. Yeah. Maybe knows. not. But all of that explored with Monique. And if you have questions for Monique, you can email info at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. I will get the email. So just in the subject line, if you can just put... Um, question for Monique. I will forward it on. And in time, she will be able to kind of get to some of those questions. Yeah. Good job. I'm excited. I'm excited to see it. I watched a part of one of the videos and uh, Harmony's done a great job of putting those together. And it, yeah, it looks good. Yeah. It's really interesting. Yeah, I am curious because because I wasn't uh, listening to the original recording. So I'm curious what 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 will go on at our uh, on our Instagram and Facebook, uh, Scared to Death Podcast. Yeah. And then, um, yeah. So thanks to the Bad Magic Productions team. Thanks to you, Lindsay. Hey, thanks, Anne. Yep, Harmony Bellacamp, social media, doing those videos. Uh, yeah, yeah, Monique. And, uh, is, and and Monique's last name is Flannery, right? I always get hesitant where I know. Yes. Okay, because I, yeah. I know some people don't take the last name right. of, of their husband. But maybe she didn't want that out there. Maybe she didn't want her last name oh, shared with boy. the world. Oh, boy. Well, you already said Christina's name. So, ha, ha, you said you were going to say it, and then you said it. Christina. You Wait, didn't you just say Christina? No. Who'd you say? 
I didn't say any name. Oh, I thought her name was going crazy. All right. All right. Christina's the girl who does my hair. I wasn't even talking about her. I know. I thought you said someone named. I don't know what I'm talking about. Let's get oh, out of here. I said Allison. Thank, thank you. Boom. You're welcome. Boom. Thanks. But I didn't give a last name and I didn't. You didn't. Okay, Joe Paisley, producing and directing, Zach Flannery, uh, part of the team here as well. Thanks to Sophie Evans for helping find some more creepy stories. Thanks to Joe Paisley, Zach Cohn, and Jeffrey Montoya for the sound beds. Heather Islander for taking over the My Story at ScaredToDeathPodcast.com emails. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe on Bad Magic uh, on YouTube. Enjoy your nightmares. Creeps and peepers. Um, talk to Lindsay if you want to talk about crystals. Yay, and, crystals. Uh, don't piss off Charlotte. And, you know, hope you're scared to death. Bye. If spirits threaten me in this place, fight water by water and fire by fire. Banish their souls into nothingness and remove their powers until the last trace. Let these evil beings flee through time and space. Evil may pass through but has no home here within scared to death.